0: And there's been a pandemic, obviously. So retention rates are fairly high. A lot of employees have hunkered down during this time. And I I am calling this right now. We have done research during COVID-19. And I'm telling you, in Q3 and Q4, we are about to see the massive job churn of 2021. There will be an exodus of so many employees that will be leaving their companies because they will remember, they all remember how they were treated during COVID-19.
1: All right, all right. Welcome back to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. Remember, this is where we talk about creating that financial security by monetizing those things that we already know or do. All right, this week we have a good one coming at you. We have Clint Pulver, who's just releasing or has a new book that is going to be released in April. I'm excited to have him on the podcast where he talked about leadership and, well, about managing a team, managing a company. A lot of great insights, so stick around to listen to what Clint Pulver has to say. But before we get to that, you know what we got to do. Let's do this.
2: Are you prepared for what happens when what happens happens? Life happens when you least expect it. Create financial security. Monetize what you already know. Welcome to Monetize Your Mindset. Monetize Your Mindset. Identify your ideal side hustle so that you have the resources to deal with whatever happens when what happens, happens. It's time to monetize your mindset. Here's your host, Bart Merrill. All
1: right, like I said, we have Clint Pulver coming on. The first time I met Clint, it's kind of a funny story. I had no idea who he was. I'd seen him a couple of times at the NSA events here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Didn't know much about him, never heard him speak. I was volunteering at a drug rehab center in downtown Salt Lake and we were teaching them how to do public speaking so that they could share their story in a in an eloquent way or a more eloquent way, I should say. And every 6 weeks or so, we like to bring in a professional speaker to not only to motivate them and, and give them something that maybe they could take away from the speech, but to also show them what a good public speaker sounds like. And I had these I had uh, Jason Hewlett lined up and he's an amazing speaker, presenter, entertainer. And I hyped him up really good. All of a sudden he got a, a paying event because mine is kind of a volunteer thing. He got a paying event and had to to bug out and put it off on Ty Bennett. Another amazing speaker. And I hyped Ty Bennett up. And Ty Bennett realized that it was a different Tuesday than he thought it was. And he was already booked. And so Jason and Ty teamed up on Clint Pulver. And he got the call and came in and was graciously volunteering. I had no idea who Clint was. I was disappointed. I didn't even want to show my face because I had hyped up these two great speakers. And here comes this kid in to speak. And wow. He, he reached those, those residents at this drug rehab center at a level that probably Jason or Ty couldn't have done. I was so blown away with his, his speech and his, oh, it was just so authentic and genuine. And the, the guys there at the, the rehab center loved him and he touched them. It was just, it was amazing. I was the hero because I brought this kid in and he did an amazing job. That's how I first met Clint. I'm excited to have him on the podcast again. I had him on earlier, and this time it's for his book and what he's doing in this undercover millennial program. Such a great thing coming up here for you. But before we do that, we have to talk about our sponsor for the show. It is Heppiest CBD Oil. I finally got my present from, from Dalton, who is the one of the founders of Heppiest CBD. I chose the CBD Freeze. And it's, a, it's just a pain relief thing for, for joint pain. And at the end of the day when my knee is hurting or my ankle is hurting, a little rub of that on and it, it gives me some pain relief. I was really quite surprised. But let's not make this about me. There is a lot of buzz out there about CBD oil. <laughs> See what I did there? It's kind of funny. Okay, it is funny. Buzz, CBD oil. And seriously, there's a whole lot of choices you can have. So I want to take it to Brett, who is one of the clients that has been using Hippia CBD, and he, he's tried many types of CBD. Let me put it in his words. I've tried every CBD oil under the sun. Some are too strong, and they don't feel like CBD oil. Some are too weak, and they don't do anything. Others are, are not pure, and you can taste the additives. These guys have figured it out. I use CBD Freeze on my back, and their CBD Night formula. And holy cow, I will never use another CBD product from anyone else. I am a customer for life. Anyone looking for the perfect blend and a quality pure recipe, look no further. It's Happiest CBD. You can find Happiest at HappiestMed.com. That's Happiest H E P I U S Med, M-E-D dot com. So go see if they have what you're looking for. I was surprised at what it did for me. And obviously, Brett is a satisfied customer. All right, let's get on with the show today. Like I said, I'm excited to have Clint Pulver here with you and him to share what he's been doing with his with his undercover millennial program. All right, everyone. Welcome, Clint Pulver, to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, Bart. It's good to be back.
1: Hey, Clint, you're only, you're like the second person that has come back for a second time on my podcast.
0: All right. I'm That's cool. That's cool.
1: you got a lot of things going on. You got a book that just came out and the premise of that book and the premise of what you speak about and how you do this undercover thing is just, it's, it's pretty interesting. So tell us a little bit about your book and tell us some of the experiences that you've had with it from getting that done.
0: Yeah, it's been a long uh, process. I will, I will probably never do this ever again.
1: <laughs> no second book.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Bart. It really, it's, it's, it's been four years of my life, and I, I think it's one thing to, you know, just write a book and you have your ideas and you take the time and you write the typewriter and you, you send it to an editor and you get it published. But this is this is four years of research because uh, I mean, and the undercover stuff has been. It's been a lot. I've worked with 181 organizations and undercover. I've interviewed over 10,000 employees, and it has been an undertaking that, yeah, it's just exhausting. And we're at that point where we're, you know, about a month away from book launch, and yeah, it's 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 a tiring experience, but it's also been unbelievable, and it's been something that I've really been grateful to dedicate a part of my life to doing. And the unique thing about the book is. It's not another leadership book written by a self-proclaimed leadership expert. That's not what this is. Right. This is a book written by 10,000 employees who knew when their leaders were getting it right. Gotcha. So five years ago, I started the Undercover Millennial Program. I am a millennial. And how this would work is I would go into an organization as someone who was looking for a job. And I'd wear my backwards hat, just like I'm wearing right now, and regular <laughs> clothes. And I would walk into the business and I'd find the first person that I saw. And I would just say, Hey, I'm just, I'm just lo- looking to apply. I- I- I'm just looking for work and I want to know what it's like to work here. And the employees, they kind of, they look around, <laughs> they tell me everything, everything, the good, the bad, what they love, what they don't love, what worked, what didn't work. And again, we created an environment where employees could speak their truth. And unfortunately, most managers have no idea, most businesses have no idea when they're really doing poorly as an organization. They right. survey people, right? We do the surveys. We do the one-on-one management meetings. Most employees don't answer 100% honestly on a survey because they're always worried what's on the other side of the survey. Like right. we say it's anonymous. Mm, no, nah, I'm going to give a safe answer just, just in case. <laughs> or or if a, if a manager sits down with an employee and is like, what can I do to be a better manager? Most employees are never going to tell you honestly what they think. They're not going to tell you face-to-face because there's no incentive to do that. I
2: don't right. want to get
0: blacklisted. I don't want to be the dramatic one. Right. So when a manager asks that, they just go, no, it's cool. It's awesome. And then four <laughs> months later, they leave. And the manager goes, I never saw it coming. Ah, it's so hard to find good help these days. And there, there's a gap there. There's a missing gap that we were able to literally destroy through the Undercover Millennial Program. And then we protected their identity and their privacy. And we were able to take those results, those responses back to the leadership. And they were able to see how to improve. Now, that wasn't even the magic of the research. The magic was when I would go into an organization and I'd walk up to an employee and I'd say, what's it like to work here? And they would respond with, I love it here. Oh my gosh, I love my job. I, I love my manager. You, you you, you, should apply. It really is such a great place to work. And then I'd go to the next employee and the next And they would all have the same response. That's what I wrote my book about. Uh, And that's why I titled it, I Love It Here. How Great Leaders Create Organizations that people never want to leave. And it is the actionable and prescriptive narrative behind what great leaders were doing to create loyalty that lasted. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing to be a part of.
1: What were the key things that the management did that made the difference? Did you you have any like, Aha moments from from your interviews.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's uh, you know that's everybody asks. So so what did you find out? What did you what did you learn? And one thing that's really insightful, and it's important to remember that management is the number one reason why people stay in an organization. It is also the number one reason why they leave an organization. And in every organization, we found four types of managers. They exist in every company, and these two are, excuse me, these four managers, we could determine the results. Of their people, like the experience that the company was having based off of these managers and two variables. Number one was the standards of that manager. And number two was the connection of that manager or the lack thereof, right? Right. Standards and connection is what it always came down to. So the first manager we found was the removed manager. This is the manager that they were, they were just burnt out. They probably should have never have been put in management. They're tired they're kind of in the organization they're not into the organization this is the manager that's just they're low on standards they're low on connection so what did this create in the workplace disengagement my manager could care less if i'm on time so why should i show up on time you know right. my manager doesn't even know i'm here you know why 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 should i engage in my work when leadership is not engaged and then and then the second manager we found was the buddy manager this was the manager that wanted to be everybody's friend they, they were they were more concerned about being liked than they were about being respected. So they were really high on their ability to connect with people, but they were really low on their standards. They're like, ah, I don't want to ruffle feathers. It's okay. It's okay. You've been late seven times this week. Let's go play Xbox on the weekends. It's fine. And so then, what does this create in the workplace? Entitlement. This is where an employee would become more of the boss than the boss would because they could be walked on because they're a right. friend not a manager. The third uh, manager that we found is the most common, unfortunately, and it's what we call the controlling manager. This was the manager that they're high on their level of, of standard in the organization, but they're low on their level of connection. So high standards, low connection. What did this create? Rebellion. This, this was the manager that's like that old school management of like, put your head down and go to work. Don't complain to me. Just be glad you have a job it's command and control. It's, it's all about the numbers. It's the quota. I don't care about what you did on the weekend. I show you that I love you because I give you a paycheck. It okay. creates rebellion pushback. My manager has no, you know, doesn't care about me. Why should I care about you?
1: You've heard that quote or that, that attitude of it's your job. You're not supposed to like your job. I'm paying. That's why I pay you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And long gone are those days because You know, and even people are, we're coming out of 2021 or excuse me, 2020 into 2021. And there's been a pandemic obviously. So retention rates are fairly high. A lot of employees have hunkered down during this time. And I I am calling this right now. We have done research during COVID-19 and I'm telling you in Q3 and Q4, we are about to see the massive job churn of 2021. There will be an exodus of so many employees that will be leaving their companies because they will remember, they all remember how they were treated during COVID-19. And second, they've been given time to think. And a lot of jobs don't look the way that they used to. Right. A lot of pay structures don't look the way they used to. And if you have that mentality of like, I've, you, yeah, you have a job, just do your job. Don't, don't, don't approach your people and act like it's a fireplace. Don't stand in front of it and say, give me heat, then I'll give you wood. It doesn't work okay. that way. We have to be able... To connect, because every employee is asking you the question as a manager. Let me know when it gets to the part about me. If I can't survive in this job, and if I can't thrive in this job, if I can't grow in this job, I will go and grow somewhere else. I promise you. And that's why these um, these employers that have these these ideals, especially the command and control model, and then they wonder why it's a revolving door in their in their company of turnover and an exodus, and then they don't see all the time the cost. That that is that is that is, that is, it's, it affects a business in so many ways: in morale, in production, in what it costs for you to rehire and retrain somebody when they leave. Right, and that's why that's why this fourth manager is so critical. And I call them the mentor manager. These were the managers that were equally high on their standards. They understood that yeah, we still have a job that we need to do. I, I we need to make a profit. We need to grow. We need to, to to scale. We've got a business. But they also were equally high on their connection. They understood that people are humans and they have a, a life outside of work. They practiced empathy. They understood the importance of advocating for people, not just developing them. And doing so, it created loyalty that was beautiful to watch. And the reason I call them the mentor-manager, Bart, is that it, it, it wasn't leadership, uh, not at all. It wasn't management. Sometimes those are kind of the two categories that we talk about in, in leadership development. You're a manager or you're a leader. In my mind and what I saw is when an employee hated their job, they talked about the manager. When an employee loved their job, they talked about the mentor, not the leader. The leader's the person in front that's, you know, traditional leader. They're the CEO or the executive. They stand in the front and they lead. They talk about the vision. What, what's the direction of the company? And their goal is to get everybody to follow them. You are a leader if someone follows you. Now, management, they're the people that make sure that the ship has no leaks. They're the ones that make sure that we can get through the water as quick and as fast as possible. Efficiency. How do we make the infrastructure work? But a a mentor, a mentor is the person that is taking care of the people on the ship. The mentor is the person. Here's the thing too. Mentorship could not be given as a title. None of these great men and women that were these types of mentors, they were never given that that job description. They earned it because of who they were. If you look at any any great mentor that's been a mentor in your life, Bart, uh-huh. they earned your respect. Right. They earned your loyalty because of who they were. That's why a mentor is so important. And it was who these mentors were and the the characteristics that they had that allowed them to be in so influential. And out of all the research, I found five characteristics that every manager had that became a mentor manager. I call them the five C's of mentorship. Uh, number one is confidence. That was a mindset. They had the ability to be confident in themselves and that I can get you from point A to point B, right? I will be able to help you get there. It's just a mindset. It built trust. Number two was credibility, their background, their resume. You know, I, I want to study from a drummer that's actually drummed for a lot of places, or I want to work for somebody, you know, if I'm selling cars and if you're going to be the the, the mentor, how many cars have you sold? Right. What's your background? What's your credibility? And then competence was the the third C. You know, you might know everything about the game of basketball, but can you actually get out and shoot a hoop? Are you a practitioner? Like in our world, Bart, we talk about public speaking a lot. Are you someone that like, you sit there and you talk about the business of speaking? Or are you actually somebody who who is who is speaking right. a lot? Are you a practitioner? And then and then that leads us to number four, which is candor. Mentors had the beautiful ability to have candid conversations. They created relationships so strong that honesty could exist. I want to mentor with somebody who's going to give it to me straight. Right. And then the the the, fa- the fifth piece is is caring. That's the fifth C. They had the ability to just care about people. I'm not trying to like get you into my coaching program and I'm promising all these numbers. No, they, they built an intimate relationship with that person where they truly cared about them and that person cared about the mentor. And uh, those five C's, uh, having, having confidence, credibility, competence, candor, and the ability to care were the beautiful things that employees talked about when they talked about a mentor. And I think as leaders, if we can adapt those characteristics, not just in business, but in, in your relationships, in with your kids, yeah. in, in giving people a reason to go, man, you are the person that connects me to my dreams. Exudes a certain type of loyalty that's powerful.
1: Messages that can be used in all aspects of life. I like that. So when you say that, is the book for everybody? Is it is it something that would help anybody that's not a manager?
0: I, I think so. I wrote I wrote the book specifically for a corporate manager. For somebody that is in a corporate situation. However, we have sold a ton of books to uh, educators, to administrators, to parents, uh, to coaches. Because again, it's about relationships. It's about helping people to not just love their job, but to actually love who they are while they're at that job. Or in other words, we would say, how, how do we help people to love our family? To love who they are when they're a part of our family. How can I help my spouse or my partner to really feel like, man, I don't just love that person, but I love who I am while I'm with that person. Right. I, I, I love us. That, that's what the book is about. They are universal principles that if you're reading this, whether you're a coach, a mom, a dad, a parent, a friend, a brother, a sister, they are universal truths that will help you to build stronger connections and, and help people write a better story. Great mentors were, were beautiful storytellers, not in the story they wrote but in the story they helped others to create. Right. And if that's a desire you have then this book will help you to do that.
1: And one of the things I like Clint is you got this information. Yes, it was research for your book as well. But you got this from speaking and doing that for corporations where you would go undercover and walk into their store and apply for a job or, you know, and and do that thing. And so you you took what you made as a speaker and now you've monetized it in the form of a book. Absolutely. I think that's awesome. That And, and people need to think about that. What, what is it that, that they have done in their life? It's like my book as well. I, a lot of it is my own stories. But then I also took stories from other people and what they have monetized and put that into a book. And so I love that you you took what you were doing. And you said, okay, I got all this information. I need to get this out to people to help more people through a book because I can't talk to everybody. And I think that's just awesome what you've done there and how you've, you have created multiple streams of income with basically one idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, again, my, my motive behind that was to just create as much value as possible. Right. Because so many, I mean, we—I'd go speak on stage, and they'd say, well, how do we, you know, do you have a book? How can we, how can we keep people thinking about these things?" And uh, you know, and it came from listening. You know, what are they wanting? How do we add value? And that's how we created the drumsticks. We do the drumsticks—that's so a value add. We're creating a, a a whole masterclass series right now that is micro learning, and every week they get a video from me helping them keep the main thing the main thing high production, high, 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 high value add as far as the quality that we're giving, but it's also micro learning. It's small, it's bite sizable, it's not long. Um, but again, it's just always how can we create value for the customer?
1: How long was your book? You, your book was like four years in the process or was it just research? And then how long did it take you to actually write the book?
0: I've been writing the book for four years. Awesome. So, yeah. So I would conduct research and we would find something that was universal. And the nice thing is like when I learned a principle early on in the research, I had the chance through the four years to test it. Right. okay. It maybe be worked in this company, but is this the same thing that everybody else in this company is saying as well? And so I was really able to almost work my own research against other research because I was conducting it over four years and it really helped us to bring together uh, you know, it really came down to the 10 principles. There's 11 chapters in the book, but it really was 10 solid principles that anytime somebody said, I love it here, there was an aspect of one of those 10, or if not all 10 things that those leaders were doing. And how do we make that reproducible? How can we make that something that's consistent in all organizations?
1: In your four years of time, have you been able to change Man- take managers from one of the not-so-good places and put them into the good places?
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, there- so there's companies that we're working with currently right now. Uh, we have uh, several different companies that have beta-tested the book, so we gave them the book, and or I had done undercover research already in their organization, and they got early copies of the book, and they are actively implementing those principles, whether it's the status interviews or it's a- a mentorship training, How do we, how do we create more mentor managers? How do we communicate potential and worth uh, recognition programs? How do we create growth development plans for people? Like all of the things that we've learned and that the book talks about, they are now actively implementing into their companies and seeing beautiful success, which is honestly, that's been the most rewarding part of all of it is to see how it has impacted lives.
1: You know, and that, that's true. I love, I love that aspect of, of what you do, what we do is whenever someone has success and they, they send you a a message. I mean, I got a message the other day about how just a one conversation with a person opened up their eyes to the many possibilities that they have. And I was like, wow, did I really do that? (laughs) The ability to help people and reach out and help people is so awesome. And I love that you're you're actively feeling that way. I mean, you live what you have probably written about. I have not read the book yet. I look forward to getting it and reading it, but I love that you live what you talk about. You genuinely care. We're on a podcast today and I don't know what number this is for you today, but I know you're doing several podcasts a day and and you're here with me for me. So I have a podcast. And so I, I love that you live what you preach.
0: Yeah, my dad always taught me. He said, Clint, you learn, you earn, and you return. Always. If you've learned every, anything in life and, and you actually earn something, you're in a level of success, you always return that. And then yeah. I had a, a great buddy, a former drummer. Uh, he always told me, I, I've, not, I've never forgotten this, but he told me the principle of stay sensitive. Always stay sensitive. Everybody deserves a phone call. Everybody deserves time. I don't care what any level of success you've achieved or how busy you are. Like give people your time. And that's another principle in the book. Great, you know, people spell mentorship T I M E. Granted, they can't spell that well, but that's, that's how people <laughs> spell it. Time, you know? Right. And sometimes we're so busy trying, we're trying to boil the ocean that we don't give people time. And how do you expect to connect and make any any difference if you don't give
1: time? And so what else do you have coming down the road? You you have a program you're gonna roll out? Is that gonna be mainly for corporations?
0: Yeah, so yep, it is It is when I go and speak on stage and we, we train the company, we do a keynote or we do a conference, uh, we have the book that's obviously another value add there. And then the Masterclass series is our next big endeavor. We've started filming, we're already in production with that. And uh, it's 52 videos and they are beautifully done videos. Um, we've got four different camera angles. It's, it's kind of like Masterclass meets LinkedIn learning. And, uh, we've done that micro learning environment, but it's done in a beautiful way. And then every week that team, that organization gets, you know, a five to six minute video of me helping them remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. And then we're also doing, uh, conference calls and live pop-ins where they get access to me and the information and the book and the research. So again, just trying to keep the main thing, the main thing and add as much value as we can.
1: And everybody needs five to six minutes of Clint a week to make their week better.
0: (laughs) Well, we hope so. We hope so. We're trying.
1: So Clint, uh, when it comes to the the COVID crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, I watched you quite a bit and you were one of the first people to actually pivot and put some money into your home studio and how to make things happen during a crisis. What gave you the... I don't know, the motivation or the confidence to do something like that.
0: Well, it was, it was a, it was a crazy time, Bart. I, I in my family and in my industry, I am the breadwinner. Like there's nothing else. This is it. It's, it's speaking. And right. March 6th was my you know, last big speaking event on a live stage. And then the, the world fell apart. And in a matter of two weeks, I watched everything that I had worked so hard for the last, you know, three and a half, four years to build died. Out of my control. There was nothing I could do. And there's a movie called The Shawshank Redemption. And in that film, there's a line that the guy says, you can either get busy living or you can get busy dying. And I decided to kind of just get busy living. And I looked at, okay, what can I control? What can I not control? And I've always believed that God can't steer a parked car. And as I have taken action to keep moving, you know, in a crisis, keep moving. You stay educated. You can control what you can control, but keep moving. The moment you become stagnant is the moment that, that nothing really happens. Right. And so and then I also, this is kind of a funny thing. I, I watched uh, on Disney Plus the imagineering documentary. I would uh-huh. recommend that to anybody. Anybody that is an entrepreneur or you're in a rut and you're thinking about how do I innovate, how do I create, how do I do something differently. I binged watched that whole series and it just fired me up to create something. And and then and then i I leaned on my board of mentors, too, and I went to people that knew this world better than I did. Like I didn't even know like 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 an Ethernet cable. like what does that do? Like what, what it, <laughs> why 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 do I need an e- like that's how like base base level my knowledge was. And so I needed to lean on people that ate, slept and drank and breathed streaming. So I, I called my gamer friends. So I leaned on the gaming industry and I leaned on people that worked in video production and I built a board of mentors that helped me to build something that would provide again, value for the customer. Right. That's how it, that's how it started. That's how I did it.
1: And did it go as good as you expected? Did it go better than you expected? How did it kind of turn out for you?
0: It was a long process. It was, I mean, and I say long, but it was a week to a week and a half of a lot of sleepless nights I'm I'm we're up in the studio. I'm hanging curtains. I'm designing this. I'm figuring out how it looks, how it would feel. Where do I fit the drums? How many cameras, how many cameras can I stream? What, what technology would allow me to switch the cameras? Do I have to have somebody here every time? Can I, like it was all of that problem solving of how do we create something that will actually work? Cause a big part of my message is is music is drumming, right? A lot of people hire me because I'm a drummer as well. We provide an entertainment value to the keynote. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how do I stream a seven piece drum set? (laughs) And so there was a lot of problems that we ran into, but also we, we really got busy. I mean, I dedicated every day, every waking and when I should have been sleeping hour to making sure that this happened. We also had two events that switched from live to virtual. And they said, Clint, if you want to keep your feet, you have to go virtual. Oh, and by the way, we want the drums. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so that really could you had a deadline line. too
0: yeah it, I, I, and I would say this to anybody give yourself a deadline give yourself a deadline because it was like sink or swim but also I've got some pressure to perform for some clients that had paid a, a great fee and I wanted I needed to keep that because my family at this point we had no we had no business right so so it was a little bit of uh out of out of need out of out of scarcity and necessity but also you know, how do I, how do I survive? How do we create this, you know, something that can happen long-term?
1: I applaud you so much because I, on, I kind of went into a deer in a headlights look a little bit. I was a little bit different from you as vested in, in the speaking world, but my business depended on tourists in Japan Mm -hmm. who overnight, and and most of these were Chinese tourists in Japan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and overnight they were gone. And they still haven't come back. And I still, I'm not sure when they're going to come back. I'm, I'm sure, I think, I hope it's close, but I I kind of went to a deer in the headlights there for probably a month yeah. and just was kind of like, dang, what am I, what am I going to do? Cause I was trying to move some of my income from Japan to the U S in the speaking and training and the seminar industry. And all of a sudden now I couldn't do seminars. Yeah. Or I, I probably could have. It just probably wouldn't have been wise in some yep. cases. Yep. But So and, I applaud you so much for that. out of all of
0: this, though, Bart, I mean, well, I appreciate it. And I, I, out of all of this, too, I mean, you know, sometimes good things fall apart so the better things can fit together. And we've really created another revenue stream, <laughs> you know? Like, okay, we've got the drumsticks. We've got the book. We've got the master class. We have yeah. the keynotes. But now we have the virtual option. And I mean, we, we do like little zoom pop-ins now where they'll, they'll pay a lower fee and I pop in for five minutes, five minutes. And I just say, hi, and it's crazy to me. And I'm in (laughs) Australia or I'm speaking in England or just things that would have never have happened. So really out of the mess came some really cool opportunities.
1: Well, and you say that I had an actress friend of mine who, I saw her advertising um, Cilaren, uh, Cinderella pop ins, mm-hmm. so she would be a Cinderella for a birthday party, and she would come in on Zoom for ten minutes for X amount of dollars.
0: Yep, totally. You know? Yeah, people got busy, and I think again, like we've we've because of this, we've made our industry stronger, we've made our business stronger. If another pandemic breaks out, we're ready. We're right. ready. We can still we can still get through this. So it's been a lot, but it's also been a a beautiful thing.
1: Well, Clint, where can people connect the best with you?
0: Yeah. And where
1: can they get the book?
0: Yeah. So Instagram, all the social media platforms I'm on, uh, they can check out clintpulver.com. And then to pre-order the book, check it out on Amazon. So just go on Amazon, type in, I love it here and uh, grab a copy of the book. I, I really appreciate the support. I appreciate you, Bart. I appreciate you letting me be on the show. You've always been a good friend, a great advocate. You've always supported me and yeah, it's it's an honor to be back and I, I appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. And you have the Audible book coming out at the same time?
0: Yeah, I think Audible is going to release a little bit after launch. Okay. So Audible will come shortly after that. We just finished the recording and Audible kind of has a, a lengthy process. So I don't know if we'll have it ready by launch, but shortly after.
1: And your wife did the intro?
0: Yep. She did the intro and the outro.
1: That's awesome. So she really
0: made the book a lot better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One closing question for you, Clint, Uh, for people who maybe haven't made the switch yet, or maybe are still having issues. What is your best advice for them to just get into action and to do things?
0: That's a hard question to answer. And I only say that because it depends on the situation. Everybody's in a different spot in life. You know, everybody, some people uh, you know their finances are different than others. Some people are battling with depression. Some people are uh, you know, I don't know, Every, everybody's just in a different situation. So one thing I, I would mention, and I think this is an important principle, is little by little makes a little a lot. And there's somebody that Bart you and I both know, but he, he said one time that, that in life, if you can't see where to go, just go as far as you can at least see. Go as far as you can see. And then when you get there, usually you're able to see further. And uh, yeah, my mom always told me, she said, Clint, little by little, it makes a little a lot. And uh, just go as far as you can see because your efforts, as small as they might seem, at least they're a drop in the bucket and it adds up to be a lot.
1: And I tell you just those little action steps. One of the things that helped me get out of my deer in the headlights look was, getting down here in the studio and interviewing people like you because I get so energized when I get off these or get down before I got on the thing with you, I'm doing a thing called what they paid you for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I did a couple of, of recordings for that before I got on with you. And it just, just that little, I mean, they're short three minute recordings Yeah, and just that little bit got me more excited And now I'm doing this and I'm, I'm excited even more, you know, so just that little bit of action gets you more excited about what you like to do.
0: Amen. Yeah. And it's, it's the process of entrepreneurship. It's the process of dreams. It is the little efforts done consistently over a long period of time that makes a story. Great. So just go as far as you can see. And if that's just getting out of bed and putting your shoes on then congratulations. But don't don't
1: put on your pants because a blood clot might go to your lungs. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Final statement right there.
1: Hey, uh, Clint, I appreciate your time today. And for everybody listening, until next time, go monetize it.
2: Thanks for listening to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. Podcast. To identify your ideal side hustle. Go to youridealsidehustle.com. Here, take a deep dive into what you like to do, what you need to do, what you're already doing, and then ask, how can I monetize it? Come on back next week for more on how to create financial security so you can deal with whatever happens when whatever happens happens. Because it will happen.